Come on in, everybody. Grab your Bibles. Stand to your feet. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. We have been, uh, uh, we have been covering a, a set of Christian graces, if you will, uh, that we are to add to our Christian walk, our Christian faith. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, all those, uh, so on, so on, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things that he wants to add to our life. Now, today... Uh, uh, we are going to go from uh, verse number 12 down to verse 21 and discover the primary reason he's writing the letter. The, the, the first verse of chapter number three of this letter, you'll find, I guess it would be uh, your key verse to the whole book and the whole letter. Uh, we'll find out what he's doing. So let's begin reading. I'll let you sit down after we, after we read, and, uh, and then we'll jump into the introduction uh, to this particular lesson. Are y'all ready to study the words? Amen. All right, 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 12. Wherefore, now, now let's remember, anytime you see therefore or wherefore, uh, you, you, you think about what he just wrote to find what is there for, amen? Uh, what he just said, I'm, I'm instructing you, I, he talked about their faith, he talked about Christian living, Christian walking, uh, 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 being what, what the, the evidences of being a Christian were, what was going to be found in a Christian's life. And he says, because of all that, now... I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet or proper, good, as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Now, he's not talking about a building. When he uses the word tabernacle here, he is talking about his physical body. As long as he's alive is what he's saying. As long as I'm living, as long as I'm breathing air, I'm going to be reminding you of things over and over and over again. So when you see the word tabernacle, he's talking about his physical body. He says uh, in verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. In other words, he said, I know I'm going to die shortly. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, we're not telling you fairy tales. We're not telling you stories. And, and, and to really get why he's saying this, he is refuting false teachers and apostates here in this second letter. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he's saying, look, this is, these are not made-up stories we're telling you. These are, these are not made-up theories. These are not fables. Uh, these are not... Uh, Something that we just threw together, we were eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry. It says in this, uh, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 16, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is in reference to the Mount of Transfiguration. When he was transfigured, when it was Peter, James, and John up there with him, when Moses and Elijah appeared before him, uh, we see now in verse 18, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. We have also a more, now here's the key. Here is, this is what's going to make everything make sense in this particular portion of Scripture. 
He's telling his experience. He's telling, he's telling what it is that, that he, has, he has gone through and seen. Now he's saying this. This is really important. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy, or talking about the word of God, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Lord, please guide my mind. There is so much information in this lesson. And uh, uh, Lord, I, I didn't want to leave anything out. Everything is important. But Lord, don't let me get scatterbrained tonight. Don't let me run rabbits. Don't let me uh, chase things that are not important. God, help me to focus and stay true to the, uh, the word and the, and the application of it tonight. God, give us what we stand in need of. There are false teachers and wolves and sheep's clothing everywhere. And God, I pray that we can know the truth. And, and Lord, uh, stand on truth. God, I pray your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, here's, here's what we need to get. As we go into this particular part of this chapter, and, and even into chapters 2 and 3, uh, we need to understand something. In 1 Peter, uh, as we studied 1 Peter several weeks ago, we learned that he was trying to encourage the church, he was trying to encourage Christians and warn them about persecution that was to come. He was warning them about the attacks from the outside, uh, the, the Roman persecution, uh, what they were going to go through. Most of you know they were martyred. Many of them were, were burnt at the stake. Many of them were fed to lions. Uh, uh, they were put in, 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 in places of torture. They were uh, uh, put on stakes and, and, and had tar on them and set them on fire. I mean, it was just ridiculous what came against the church in the, in the fiery trial which was to try them. That's, that's the first letter of Peter. And he was warning them about the attacks from the outside, the persecution that was going to take place and come against them from the outside. Well, this second letter is, is completely different. He's not warning them of attacks from the outside. He's warning them of attacks from the inside. He said, look, there's going to be false teachers come. There's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing come. There's going to be people who's going to come with lies and stories and fairy tales, and they're going to do everything they can to destroy the church from the inside. Ladies and gentlemen, what he is speaking about here in this second letter is even more dangerous and more destructive than what he was talking about in the first letter. you, you got to understand something. When the church is attacked from the outside, when the church is persecuted, they grow. They grow. When, when, when in the book of Acts, when persecution came, the gospel scattered abroad. You look at the nation of Israel when they were in, in Egypt, uh, when they were in bondage and in slavery. The harder that Pharaoh was on God's people, the more they flourished, the more they bloomed, the more God's blessings upon them. What will happen? What will happen if the government comes and tries to shut our church down? We'll build another one. What, what will happen if, 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 if a tornado comes and tears the building down? We'll build another one. What will happen if fire comes and destroys our sanctuary and, de and desecrates this area? We'll build another one. But what will happen if somebody comes in and splits the congregation and gets this side on that side and this group on this side and, and there's fighting and what will happen? The church will be destroyed. The most dangerous thing that could ever happen is false teachers coming into the house of God. 
And, and Peter was, 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 he was warning the people. I, I, I was reading, I, I put it in your notes and then I took it back out because I had so much other stuff in there for tonight. Uh, there is a great parallel between 2 Timothy and 2 Peter. And what, what Paul is teaching Timothy and what Peter is trying to teach us that in the last days, it's going to be bad. In the last days, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And here, here, here was the thing that Paul was concerned about. Here's what Peter was concerned about, the false teachers that were coming. He said the days are going to get darker and darker. Paul told Timothy, perilous times shall come. Perilous times shall come. There's going to come a time when people will not heed sound doctrine. They will not care for sound doctrine. They will not want to hear the truth. What does he say? He said they will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, there's going to be a group of people, don't tell me the truth. Don't tell me what the Bible says. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what makes me feel better. Tell me what makes me uh, have a good feeling. And listen, and that's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear about truth. Truth is going to be called hate speech. Do you realize that truth sounds like hate to people who hate the truth? And that's where we're at. I mean, that's where we're at right now. So what does he do? He begins the chapter, he begins the chapter describing true Christianity. He describes, he describes the graces and the character of true Christianity. He talks about integrity. He talks about patience. He talks about love. He talks about perseverance and, and self-control and, and all of these things. He begins to describe what's real and what's true before he ever shares. And, he, and listen, he goes and describes the, the apostates and the counterfeits in chapter number 2. But before he described them, he described what was real and what was the truth. Do you realize that, that they, will, they will give people real money to, to, to handle, to look at, to, to, to deal with, and, they, and, and not counterfeit? Because if they know what's real, the counterfeit will stand out. That makes sense? Say amen. And that's what he's doing. Here in the first part of this chapter, he's telling them, listen, there's going to be, there's going to be false teachers come. There's going, to be, there's going to be things happening. What are we going to do? How do we, how do we fight this? Do you realize the only way to fight a lie is with the truth? The only way to fight or battle false doctrine is with sound doctrine. And do you realize we're in a time where that's the one thing people don't want to deal with? They don't want to talk about? They don't want to make an effort to learn? What is sound doctrine? Well, just, just talk about grace. Don't talk about doctrine. All right. Listen, Paul told Timothy, preach the word. The word. This is, this is the word, Genesis to Revelation. I have, I have, I have favorite subjects. I, I have subjects I love to deal with. I have subjects I love to preach about. I, I, I have subjects that, that, just, that just cranks my tractor when I talk about them and I'm passionate about and I'm excited about. But God didn't tell me preach what I'm excited about. God didn't say just preach what you're passionate about. God didn't say just preach where you're comfortable preaching. He said preach the word, preach Genesis, preach Exodus. Pre are y'all with me? And, and, and so here we are, here we are. Peter is, he's instructing them, he's teaching them, and he's telling them, listen, the church is in danger because of false teachers. Now, here's the thing. Christian living... Christian living must be based on the authoritative word of God. The authoritative word of God. What we stand on has got to be on God's word. Not what you hear, 
Not what your grandpa told you. Not, 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 not what you've always heard. Not what you found on the internet. But God's word. What do you believe? What, what, what's, the, you know, what's the country song? If you don't stand for, you will. And, and, and whether it's a country song or not, it's true. False teachers, now here's the deal. False teachers, let me tell you something. Do you realize, do you realize that most cults do not go win converts? They proselytize. Most cults do not win converts. They proselytize others. What does that mean? They do not go into the world and try to find somebody to believe what they are. They come into churches and find disgruntled believers who are immature and don't know the word, and they give just enough of the word to pass what they're trying to say. And we're going to see a lot of this in, in, this, in this particular lesson. We're going to see, what, what are they doing? What are they doing? They want to base what they teach you on feelings and emotions and, and uh, 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 objectivity and subjectivity. And what does that mean? We're, we're going to, oh my goodness, this is going to be great. What are, you basing, what are you basing your eternal security on? A feeling? Maybe an experience that you have? What are you basing and standing on what you believe by, by for instance, for instance, uh, I, I was talking to a gentleman, I was talking to a gentleman who was at a conference with a, with a completely off the wall, uh, ungodly speaker who feigns to be a man of God and he's up here preaching and teaching and he's clearly a heretic, clearly teaching false doctrine and, and, and this is what this guy tells me. We were, we were talking about the, the, this person, and uh, I said, man, what are you doing? Why was you, why was you even there? He said, well, he said, I, I know that he says this, and I know that he says that, but boy, when I was in that meeting, I felt something. You felt something? Okay, I'll give you that. But when you felt it, was it coming from truth? And my point is this, people are basing what they believe on emotions and feelings, something that is subject and not by facts. Now, that's fine if you get a feeling. Rock on. Have your feelings. I'm not against feelings. I'm not against emotions. I think everybody ought to be passionate about what they do and, 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 and what they believe. I'm telling you, I don't like boring speakers, and I don't like people that don't look like they believe what they're singing or don't look like they believe what they're preaching. I'm all about feeling. But if your feelings are not based by fact, which is the Word of God, we got a problem. So what does that mean? Everything you stand on, everything you believe, everything you try to get somebody else to believe, if you're witnessing to them, it has to be based on God's word. That's what Peter's trying to say in this chapter. He tells them of an experience he had, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but he tells them about the experience of, of, of uh, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, and then he comes right behind it and says, but I got something better than that. Are y'all with me? Did the, did the experience happen? It sure did. Was the experience real? It sure was. Was it powerful? Yes, sir. If you see God radiating outside of Jesus and what's on the inside coming on the outside and him glowing, that's powerful. But he says this, I got something better than that. I got something more concrete than that. 
I got some, are y'all with me? Say amen. So, so let's, 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 get, let's get into this. I put some definitions. I put some definitions of some words because sometimes we forget that everybody has not up to the same speed as everybody else. You hear people use words like apostasy or apostate. Oh, he's an apostate. What is an apostate? It's someone who leaves their former belief. In other words, they were a follower at one time, but they turn away from it. They turn away, and they are not following the truth. In other words, I read definitions that talked about losing their loyalty or leaving their loyalty. Someone who turns away from the faith and turns away from truth and is believing a lie. Then we find the word subject or subjective. What does subjective mean? It means arising within oneself or mind in contrast to what is on the outside. That's bad. Here's good, objective, existing outside and independent of the mind, treating or dealing, here it is, treating or dealing with facts without distortion by personal feelings or prejudices. Woo-hoo-hoo. What does that mean? Not basing what you believe by what you feel, but by what God's word says. Sometimes, now it's easy to say amen in church about that. But what happens when you're out there and you start reading the Bible and you feel real strongly about something and God says, "Uh uh-uh, what are you going to do then? Does that make sense? Boy, it's quiet as a church mouse in here. We're loving this, ain't we? Hey, it's going to get better. I promise it's going to get better. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Peter discussed Christian experience in the first half of 2 Peter. That's that's verses 1 through 11. Uh, And in the last half, he discussed the revelation we have in the Word of God. His purpose, read this with me, look in your notes. His purpose is to show the importance of knowing God's Word and relying on it completely. Relying on the Word, not your experience, not your feelings, not your emotions. Let me tell you something. Sometimes I don't even feel like a Christian, much less a preacher. Are y'all with me? Sometimes I can be down, I can be discouraged, I can be depressed. And if I base, if I base on my feelings, we're going to be in a mess. Amen? All right, now watch, now watch. The Christian who knows what he believes, this is great. The Christian who knows what he believes and why he believes it will rarely be seduced by false teachers and their devious doctrines. In order to counteract the influence of false doctrine, great emphasis is laid upon the Word of God in these next few verses and the certainty of the fulfillment of the divine promises. So three things, three things we're going to look at tonight. First, a task. Peter says what he's trying to do here. In these, in these verses, in this particular letter, he's telling them what he's trying to accomplish. So we see a task, uh, Peter's task that he's trying to accomplish. The second thing is a testimony. He says, let me tell you what happened with me. He gives a testimony, and there's some things that we can learn from this testimony. And then lastly, we're going to see the truth. We're going to see the truth, concrete truth that we can, we can stand on and we can live by and we can be confident in. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right, let's look in this. Let's look in this. Verse number 12. Verse number 12. There's a word, there's a word that we see like three times in just a couple verses. Wherefore, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet or proper as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in 
remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Okay, what's his task? A, to remind. He wants to remind. He wants to remind. <clears throat> Why is this important? Peter wanted to impress his readers' minds with the word of God so they would never forget it. Peter knew that our minds have a tendency to get accustomed to truth and then take it for granted. We forget what we ought to remember, and we remember what we ought to forget. What does that mean? Paul said this one. He said, uh, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. How many of us remember our past more than we remember what God said about our future? How many times do we get so caught up uh, remembering the things we shouldn't and forgetting the things we should? Well, Peter is saying, I want to remind you. I want to bring it up again. I know you've heard it, but I'm going to tell you again. I know you're familiar with this, but I'm going to tell you again. Do you realize we constantly need to be reminded of God's word? We need to constantly be reminded that he loves us. We need to constantly be reminded that we need to walk with him. We need to constantly be reminded the truth of God's word. I'm telling you, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. Uh, 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 you take a bath today, you'll need one tomorrow. They don't last. Y'all with me? They don't last. Get them again. Amen. You got one today, grab you one tomorrow. Say amen. <laughs> hey, you need God's word. I don't want to use this terminology because it's kind of crude, and it almost seems rude to talk about God's word, but, but, but it wears off. It wears off. It doesn't wear off our minds Tell me again. I want to stir you up. He said, I want, to, I want to remind you again. I want to go over this again. I want to tell you again. I, we were told in a conference one time, in a meeting one time, people need to be reminded every 21 days. If you want people to remember something, tell them every 21 days. Because on that 21st day, they go brain dead. Say amen, right? And you know what I found to be true? That. Isn't it amazing that we can, we can announce something for six weeks in a row, have it in the bulletin, have it on the internet, have it on the video screen, and, and when it comes, people say, well, I didn't know. As people, as us, as, as humanity, amen? He said, I want to remind you. He said, I know you know this, but I want to tell you again. I know you've already been established. Look what he says. He says, though ye know them, Though you know them and be established in the present truth, I want to remind you again. I want to tell you again. The readers of this letter knew the truth and they were established in it. But that was no guarantee they would always remember the truth and apply it. One reason the Holy Spirit was given to the church was to remind believers of the lessons already learned. We find that in John 14, 26. All right? So his task was to remind. Why did he want to remind? B, so he could rekindle. To stir up. That word means awaken, arouse. He wanted to rekindle. Now, why is that important? Do you realize, do you realize the most dangerous place a Christian can find themselves is in a place of apathy? Now think about that a minute. The most dangerous place a Christian can find themselves is in a place of apathy. What did what did what did what did uh, God tell uh, the, the, the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter number 3? 
He said, he said, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot, you're not cold. You are lukewarm. Now watch what he says about it. This is kind of, this is kind of really revealing. He said, because you're lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. You know why? Because when you're a lost sinner and you know you're a lost sinner, you know what you need. You're not, you, you are, you, there's no question about where you are. But, and when you're an on fire, passionate Christian, there's no question. You know where you are, you know where, but when you're apathetic, when you're saved, but you're cold or lukewarm, you're not in, but you're not out. Uh, you're not on fire, but you're not, you know, raising cane on the outside. You're just kind of coasting and going through the motion. You're just kind of in the groove, and, and, and you're not really serving God, but you're not really out there raising cane either. Uh, you're just, you're just kind of going with the flow. Do you realize it's that moment is when Satan, he can get you? Because Peter said this, be sober, be vigilant. Be vigilant. That means awake. It means alert. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, why could Peter write that? Because he had devil marks in his behind. Jesus had done warned him. Jesus had told him while he was alive. He said, Satan has desired to have thee that he may sift you as wheat. But I pray, in other words, the devil's after you, son. But I pray for thee that thy, 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 thy faith fail not when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Peter said, it's all right. I got this. Don't worry about it. He was not alert. He was not vigilant. He was not paying attention. He was basically slumbering in his spirituality. He would not listen. It's amazing. When you're slumbering, you're not listening. I'm talking about the Son of God is speaking to you. And he not only was not listening, he got mad when he told him what he told him. He said, I got this. It's all right. And y'all know what happened. Before the cock crew, he denied him three times, went out and wept bitterly. Peter knew something about being apathetic. Peter knew something about being careless. Maybe apathetic is a strong word for Peter, but careless is not. He was careless. And because of that, the devil chewed on him. But I'm glad even though the devil chewed on him, God could still use him. Amen. And God just worked it all out that God used that. But my point is this. Don't be apathetic. Don't be careless. Don't just, don't just come in here. Don't just come in here and believe whatever we say just because we say it. Well, you're the preacher and you love me and you're not supposed to lie. I know that. And I, I want the best of my ability. I won't lie. But what if I die and some other turkey comes in here? who brings in a false doctrine, who sounds good at first. A new broom sweeps clean, people. If something ever happens to me and somebody else comes, y'all investigate him thoroughly. Because they will tell you what they think you want to hear. Brother Jeff, you were here. Now, the only reason, the only reason I think all this worked out because I, I didn't really care. Everybody else that y'all, 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 what is it called? We interviewed or whatever. They were telling y'all everything they thought y'all wanted to hear. 
And I thought God was going to take me to Costa Rica. So when they asked me questions, I answered them. <laughs> Boy, did I answer them. One particular question. They said, brother, it's no, and he's not even in, the, in this church anymore. He said, do you preach on sin? I said, Lord God, not unless I have to. Amen. <laughs> I don't know why y'all hired me. I really don't. I have no idea. Coon hunting, that's it. Amen. Are y'all with me? Don't, don't just take it because I'm up here. I don't want, I don't, I want you to, I want you to investigate every word. I want you to take everything I say and I want you to scrutinize it to the word, not your opinion, but to the word. I want you to get so used to following me with God's word that anytime something, something comes up, maybe whatever, whatever, and I, I may make a mistake. It's a possibility. I'm human. Ask Tammy. Say amen. <laughs> but you need to be in tune. Don't be apathetic. This is so important. Don't be apathetic with your own Christian life and your own spirituality. Follow by the book. Let's follow. Let's go with this. Let's be alert. Let's be, let's be ready. He says, I want to stir you up. Be vigilant, he says in chapter uh, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8. Then see, I got to hurry. See, he, he wants to remind them. He wants to rekindle and stir them up because he knows false teachers are coming. They're coming. You hear them on the radio. You see them on TV. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Listen, I want you to be ready. I don't want you to be fooled. I don't want you to be tricked. All right? Rekindle. Then see, reinforce. Reinforce. He says, I know I'm fixing to die. I got to leave something with you. He says in verse number, verse number 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, moreover, I will endeavor. I, I'm working feverishly, he says, that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Peter knew that he was going to die. So he wanted to leave behind something that would never die, the written word of God. His two epistles became a part of the inspired scriptures, and they have been ministering to the saints for centuries. It is possible that Peter was also alluding to the Gospel of Mark, because most Bible scholars believe that the Spirit used Peter to give John Mark some of the data for his book. One of the church fathers, Papias, said that Mark was uh, Peter's disciple and interpreter. So that, that's a possibility. All right, so we see his task. We see what he's trying to do. He, he's concerned about the church. He's concerned about these Christians. He wants them to be grounded in the faith, grounded in sound doctrine, grounded in the word of God. He knows false teachers are coming, seducers are coming, and the only way to fight a lie is with the truth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, number two, I want you to see a testimony. He begins to share his testimony. And boy, there's some, there's some stuff we're going to learn out of here that's really powerful, and I hope you get. All right? Now, he's doing a, a few things with this. He's doing a few things by telling this story of the transfiguration. He's supporting the, uh, 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 the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ because you're going to find uh, false teachers coming in there that's denying the Lord Jesus Christ, denying his deity, denying that he's the Son of God, uh, denying that he ever came. They deny, and we'll look in chapters uh, 2 and 3, and we're going to see where they're, they're, they're proclaiming that he's not coming back. That there's not going to be a future kingdom. He's not going to rule and reign on this earth. They've got all these lies going on, and he's refuting that. He's telling them, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you, listen, we're not following lies. We're not following tricks. We're not following fairy tales. Listen, we're, and he calls them fables, uh, 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 devised fables. 
uh, he said, we're not, we're telling you eyewitness account of what happened. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Uh, you know what's funny? You know what's funny? There can be people who say, well, I don't believe that. And, and I, I love it. I love it when, uh, like, I'm a, I'm a witness of it or I'm, I'm there uh, uh, and I see it. And, 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 and you say, well, I don't believe it. I don't care what you believe. I was there when it happened. Amen. I saw That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. We are eyewitness accounts of what took place. Now, watch what he says. He begins to describe the event. He says in verse number 16, <clears throat> For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father, and he's talking about he as in Jesus. Jesus received glory and honor from his Father. Because uh, see, you got to get, these people are trying to say that Jesus was just a man. He was, he was just an ordinary man like everybody else. He was just a good teacher. He was a prop. You see what I'm saying? So this is what you've got to get. This is what he's trying to reinforce in their minds. He said, he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. But, watch verse 19. Even with all that said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And he's talking about the written Word of God. The written word of God. Now here's, here's how we're going to tie this stuff together. This is, this is great. Uh, you, you've got to understand. You've got to understand where Peter's coming from. Because people, how many of y'all know people believe the craziest stuff? People believe stuff just because they're told. People believe stuff because they are tricked or lied to. And he, he is trying to share with them some things that took place. But then he says, I have a more sure word of prophecy. I have a more sure word of prophecy. The, the Holy Scriptures is what you can depend on. Now, I want to give you two reasons, two things I see, two things I see in this particular portion of Scripture from verse 12 to where we are, why we need to stand on the word and not two other things. First, I want you to see this. Write this down. A, men die. Men die. There's a lot we can take from that. Paul said, or excuse me, Peter said, I'm fixing, I'm fixing to leave this tabernacle. I'm fixing to die. I know my time here is short. Do you realize that that teaches us something? That men are fallible. And please get this. Please get this. I, I really, really need you to get this. Men are fallible. Men are merely human. Men make mistakes. And you say, why are you saying all this? I cannot tell you how many people are out of church today because their hero in the faith fell. And, and, here, and here's what I'm, I'm trying to say. 
their faith was in a man, not a message. God forbid that I ever commit adultery or cheat on my wife and do, do and have to lead the ministry and break tons of hearts. But if that was to happen, do you realize there would be people in this church who would say, all that preaching, all that this, all that that, I, I, I knew it wasn't real. And you know what they're saying? Your faith was in a man. Now here's the problem with that. The first man messed up. The strongest man, Samson, messed up. The wisest man, Solomon, messed up. The man closest to God's heart, David, messed up. Abraham lied about his wife. Noah got drunk. Moses uh, uh, smoked the rock more and, and, and disobeyed the Lord. Peter denied Christ. James and John wanted, wanted to send fire down from heaven and consume a bunch of people. Which I can relate to that. Say amen. <laughs> I, can, I can feel that one. I'm sorry. I told you we was weak. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? You know what? I might find a cry thinking about this. I remember, I remember when I was a kid and growing up, and and you hear about men of God falling and into sin and that type of thing, but it was always from that other crowd. And I I, I remembered the first time. I mean, I'm telling you, I I, I can remember this to, to this day. I, I remember when when I, I was I was standing on a golf course with another evangelist he was an older man of God that I was familiar with and and I grew up listening to just an incredible man of God and 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 and, and somehow or another the subject got on a, another uh, evangelist that that I, I really looked up to that that I, I watched when I was a kid growing up and and man he could preach the paint off the walls just an incredible Bible preacher a uh, 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 Bible teacher and 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 just just it's an unbelievable preacher and 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 I had heard that he had come off the road because he was having some problems with his son, and he was trying to get help for his son. And 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 so I I, I kind of mentioned that to uh, uh, this this president of England. He said, "That's not what happened." I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "He said, man, he he he, he cheated on his wife with another another pastor's wife." Man, I, I just I just died. I started crying. I just, I was so, I was crushed. I said, no, that can't, that can't be. Do you remember the day that you realized Superman was really Clark Kent? And not the other way around? Do you realize all your, your, your superheroes in the faith are just merely men? What am I saying? Don't, and I'm not saying don't have, don't have 
Christian superheroes. I, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't look up to people, and, uh, but I'm saying this. Don't put them where they don't need to be. Don't put them in a place so that if they fall, you're going to be crushed by that. Because I'm telling you, the best of them are just men. They're just men. They're, they're fallible. Peter is saying here, I'm going to die. But what I'm leaving behind will never die. This word endureth to all generations. The word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I promise you, I may go, but it'll live on. And my question is, what are you standing on? Are you standing on the ability of another man and his spirituality and that if he falls, if he messes up, if he loses it, then you'll lose your faith too? Now, some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've heard it. You've heard it before. Well, so-and-so preacher, he run off with somebody else. So I'm not going to, yeah, that's God's fault. So we're going to hold that against God, and, and, and we're going to say the, the, the word doesn't work because somebody else messed up? Are y'all with me? In other words, let's stand on truth. Let's stand on the word. And by the way, by the way, let's pray for preachers, especially me. Pray for me. Because men of God have targets on their back that big. Because the devil knows if I can get him, if the big cedar falls, it crushes a lot of little cedars. Pray for your men. Pray for, pray for God's people. But don't, don't base what you believe in your faith on a mere man. Make sure it's on God's perfect word. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Men die. Be. Be. Experiences fade. Experiences fade. Peter wrote a summary of what he saw and heard on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus Christ robed in majestic glory and therefore witnessed a demonstration of the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it was a powerful deal. When Jesus Christ came to earth at Bethlehem, he did not display his glory openly. To be sure, he revealed his glory and his miracles, but even this was primarily for the sake of his disciples. His face did not shine, nor did he have a halo over his head. Isaiah 53 tells us he hath no form nor comeliness, and we, and we shall see him, and there is no beauty that we should desire him. There wasn't nothing magnificent about him. Peter not only uh, saw Christ's glory, but he heard the Father's voice. What does a witness do? He tells what he sees and y'all with me he not only saw it but he heard he heard the father's voice listen from the magnificent glory witnesses are people who tell accurately what they have seen and heard and peter was a faithful witness you and i were not witnesses of the transfiguration peter was there and he faithfully recorded his experience for us in the letter that he wrote inspired by the spirit of god experiences fade but the word of God remains. Now, here's where, here's where we're going to get in some good stuff right here. The word of God remains. Experiences fade, but the word of God remains. Watch this. Watch this. Say, read it with me. Experiences are subjective. Say it with me. Experiences are subjective, but the word of God is objective. Are y'all with me? 
Subjective means it comes from within. Objective means it comes from the outside or comes from facts. Truth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch. Experiences, experiences may be interpreted in different ways by different participants. But the word of God gives one clear message. What we remember about our experiences can be unconsciously distorted. But the word of God remains the same and abides forever. Do you see what that friend of mine was doing when he went to that conference to that, that false teacher? He was basing it on experience. What he felt. His emotions at the time. But what was the problem? He was getting emotional about a false doctrine. So, it, so he was basing that it was God by what he felt. Are y'all with me? You say, but, but if you feel it, hey, I can get tore up about a Hank Williams song. Now, don't look at me like that. I was at Waffle House when I heard it, amen. I, it was completely legal, amen. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? Base, all right, here's, let's do it. We're going, here's, here's a great illustration. Y'all ready, fellas? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play a song, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. What is objective and what is subjective, okay? And this will kind of help us understand what we're talking about here. All right, we're going to play a song. We're going to play a song, and then I'm going to ask y'all some questions. Now, this is the only way this works, if you're going to tell the truth. If you lie, you're going to have indigestion tonight, all right? If you lie, it won't work. you got to be completely honest with this. And Now, now if y'all are willing to do that, say amen. amen. It's not hard. This is not a trick, okay? So, so here, here, here's our song. Here's our song. And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be subjective and objective, okay? All right, here's the song. You got the song? All right. Of all the bells rung 
I said the most important part about this exercise is you got to be completely honest. All right, how many of y'all can be completely honest? So y'all going to lie in the house of the Lord? Come on, people. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. How many of y'all like that song? Okay, how many of y'all didn't like that song? Come on, raise it. Come on, come on, come on. Good, 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 good. That's perfect, that's perfect. All right, all right. How many of y'all thought the song was too loud? Thought the song was too loud? Dustin, you didn't have it turned up loud enough, son. <laughs> All right, Brother Steve, will you work with me on this? Did you think it was too loud? Just say yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How many of y'all didn't think it was loud enough? Okay, this will work. How many of y'all didn't think it was loud enough? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of y'all thought it was just perfect? Okay, perfect. There's our, there's our different answers, okay? Now, uh, how many of you, how many of you likes this group? Okay. How many of you, how many of you don't like this group? Okay, all right, perfect. See, some of y'all are lying. I know you're lying. I know you're lying, all right? All right. How many of y'all like this style? How many of y'all like this style? Okay, all right. How many of y'all don't like this style? Raise your hand. Come on, get it up there. It's not a wrong answer, y'all, all right? There, there we go. Now, watch. Do you know what all this was? Subjective answers. Subjective answers. Because some of you liked it. Some of you didn't. Some of you thought it was too loud. Some of you thought it was perfect. Well, nobody thought it was too loud. You just gave me an answer. Some of you thought it wasn't loud enough, and some of you thought it was just right. Some of you likes the style, and some of you don't. All of those are subjective answers. Are y'all with me? It came from the inside of you. It was not based on fact because you say, well, I, I, that's a fact. It's not. No, you can't do that. That's not true. It came from your opinion, your preference, your prejudice, whatever you want. It came from the inside of you. Now watch. Here's, here's some objective things we can say about it. In other words, it's based on fact. <clears throat> there was 195 words you just saw up on that screen. Fact. You can't dispute it. There can't be more than one answer. There's one answer. 195 words were shown on there. The word glory was used 12 times. That's a fact. You can't have an answer 10, it'd be wrong. It would be an untruth. It's objective. This is a fact. Not only that, hallelujah was used six times. God was used seven times. Rain was used 12 times. And, and the word song was used five times. Every one of those are facts. Facts. Not subjective, but objective. What's my point? Don't base your eternal security on somebody's opinion. Are y'all with me? Don't, hey, listen, not only that, don't base what you stand for and believe in on somebody's opinion. Base it on fact. If you have a thou shalt in your life or a thou shalt not, base it on fact, not what you've heard. Are y'all with me? And what Peter is trying to get them to understand, he said, your experiences can deceive you. He said, I had an experience. It was a real experience. It was a powerful experience. It was a glorious experience. And matter of fact, I wanted to stay there. Read it. 
Peter says, hey, let's make some tabernacles. Let's just build some places. Let's don't even go back down in that valley. Let's just stay up here in the glory all the time. And you know what the most amazing thing was? God got Peter's attention, and this is what he told them. This is what stands out above everything. He said, this is my beloved son. But you know what Peter didn't record right here? This is what else he said. Hear him. You being up here on the mountain is not the most important thing. You being in the glory is not the most important thing. You seeing the glory radiating out of my son is not the most important thing. The most important thing you could do is heed his word. Hear him. Listen, it's not about your experience. Experiences can be subjective, but God's word is always objective. It's based on truth In fact, there are so many cults, there are so many false religions, there are so many, listen, uh, denominations that are solely based on experience, even though it contradicts God's word, because they say, I felt something. It's not about feeling. It's about facts. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch this. Let's let's, let's do this quick. Let's do this quick. Uh, Number three. Oh, I got 52 whole seconds. Uh, uh, Three. Uh, Truth. Truth. What is truth? Watch what he says. Watch what he says in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart. Knowing this first. That no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not of old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. First, I want you to see this. The word of God is a sure word. Write that down. It's a sure word. Peter was not suggesting that the Bible is more certain than the experience he had on the Mount of Transfiguration. His experience was real and true, and the record in the Bible is dependable. As we have seen, here it is, The transfiguration was a demonstration of the promise given in the prophetic word. And this promise now has added certainty because of what Peter experienced. The transfiguration experience corroborated the prophetic promises. The apostates, now watch, this is is where he ties it. The apostates would attempt to discredit the promise of his coming, but the scriptures were sure. The testimony of the Lord is sure, Psalms 19. Thy testimonies are very sure, Psalms 93. All his commandments are sure, Psalms 111. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way, Psalms 119. It is interesting, I love this, it is interesting to put together 2 Peter 1.16 and 1.19. says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Verse 19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. We don't need your false doctrine. We don't need your false story. We have the truth in God's word. Say amen. It's a sure word. B, it's a shining word. It's a shining word. How many of y'all know this world's getting darker and darker? It's getting crazier and crazier. Peter called the world a dark place, but God is light and his word is light. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalms 119. When Jesus Christ began his ministry, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light, Matthew 4. His coming into this world was the dawning of a new day, Luke 1. We Christians are the light of the world, Matthew 5. 
And it is our privilege and responsibility to hold forth the word of life, God's light, this word, this scripture we have in our hand, so that men might see the way and be saved. As believers, we must heed his word and govern our lives by what it says. For unbelievers, things will get darker and darker until they end up in eternal darkness. But God's word or God's people are looking for the return of Jesus Christ and the dawning of a new day of glory. Say amen. I got to get this last one in. I know we're over time, but I got to get this in. I got to get this in. You, you, you got to get this. Uh, verse, number, verse number 20. Verse number 20. If you're there, say amen. amen. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy ghost. It is a sure word. It is a shining word. It is a spirit given word. It is a spirit given word. There is, this is one of two important scriptures affirming the divine inspiration of the word of God. The other is in 2 Timothy 3, 14. It says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, for that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture, say it with me. Say it again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that means complete, thoroughly furnished. In other words, you have all you need to serve him with this book. Man, that's good. That's a whole message in itself. Amen. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Peter affirmed that the scriptures were not written by men who used their own ideas and words, but by men of God who were moved by the Holy Spirit. The word translated mood means to be carried along as ship is carried by the wind. The scriptures are God-breathed. They are not the inventions of men. And again, Peter was refuting the doctrines of the apostates. They taught with feigned words or made-up words, uh, fake words, uh, and twisted the scriptures to make them mean something else. Uh, they denied the promise of Christ's coming and thus denied the very prophetic scriptures. Since the Spirit gave the word, only the Spirit can teach the word and interpret it accurately. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, when you sit down to read your Bible, you can't do it like you're reading Time magazine. It is the living Word of God. It is, it is, it is understood by the power and the direction and guidance of the Spirit of God. So when we read our Bible, the first thing we should say is, Holy Spirit, illuminate your word to my mind. Help me understand your scriptures today. Say amen right there. Now, now, of course, every false teacher claims that he is led by the Spirit, but his handling of the word of God soon exposes him. Since the Bible did not come by the will of man, it cannot be understood by the will of man. Even religious Nicodemus, a, leader, uh, a leading teacher among the Jews, was ignorant of the most essential doctrines of the word of God. In 2 Peter 1.20, Peter was not prohibiting the private study of the Bible because that is highly encouraged. Some religious groups have taught that only the spiritual leaders may interpret Scripture, and they have used this verse as their defense. But Peter was not writing primarily about the interpretation of Scripture, but the origin of Scripture. It came by the Holy Spirit through holy men of God, and since it came by the Spirit, it must be taught by the Spirit. 
The word translated private simply means one's own or its own. In other words, what he's saying is these men didn't conjure up their own ideas and write it down and say, God said this. Y'all with me? And it doesn't mean that they come up with a bunch of stuff, wrote it down, and then God breathed on it. No, God moved on them to write what they wrote. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, here's, here's really important. Please, please don't, don't miss this. The suggestion is since all Scripture is inspired by the Spirit, it must all hang together. It must all hang together. It cannot contradict itself. Not, it says, and no one Scripture should be divorced from the others. You can use the Bible to prove almost anything if you isolate the verses from their proper context, which is exactly the approach of the false teachers. The word, I love this, the word of God was written to common people, not to theological professors. The writers assumed that common people could read it, understand it, apply it, and led by the same Holy Spirit who inspired it. The humble individual believer can learn about God as he reads and meditates on the word of God. He does not need experts to show him truth. However, however, this does not deny the ministry of teachers in the church. Obviously, Ephesians 4.11. Special people who have a gift of explaining and applying the scriptures. Teachers have their place, but they must not assert the authority of the word over the conscience, uh, or the, the conscience of the individual believer. Now, now, look at me real quick for 10 seconds. You've got a Bible, and you can understand it. You can well, I, I, I don't understand the words. Get a dictionary. Now, how many of y'all had a mom like me? How many of y'all had a mom like me? And when you was growing up and you said, Mom, what does so-and-so mean? What do they always say? How many of y'all had one of them? Why? She didn't want you to be lazy, for one. And she wanted you to learn how to figure this out on your own. And, and we'll talk about this Sunday. Amen. Oh, go on. I want to tell you so much more tonight, but we'll, we'll, isn't it amazing how God's tying in Sunday with Wednesday? And this, this is just great. God is awesome. God is awesome. Amen. Now listen, we base what we, we believe on the truth. Let's all stand. Everybody stand. We base what we believe on truth, not on experience, not on feelings, not on theories, not on opinions. Are y'all with me? Not on subjectivity, but objectivity. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Father, help us, help us, help us to study this word, meditate it. Lord, apply it to our life. And Lord, be everything we can be that it says we can. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody.